Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. So this is episode 33, In a Panera. What's up, Blade? Hey, Forrest. So uh, we decided, um, or Blade decided, I was asking Blade for ideas because we're in the process of moving right now and I really don't feel like recording in my apartment. Which is understandable because uh, it's it's in the middle, it's, it's, it's obvious you guys are moving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. it's pretty obvious, right? The living room looks more like a closet. Yes. So... So you, I, I asked for an idea from you because I needed to kind of throw something together that didn't involve a script, so I had you write one instead. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that would be, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to sum it up, just say it. So uh, my kind of thought was, okay, like, what's normal? Or what's a new normal anyway? Because, like, at least my thinking on kind of the topic was that I got my diagnosis when I was young. That's, That's always, at least as far as I can remember, it's always been a part of me, and... So I've always been, and so for me, it's just like, okay, this is normal. So especially for you kind of having the opposite experience, because I got my diagnosis when I was young, got help with it to kind of help be sort of more normal. You got your diagnosis later in life, and you were just kind of given the diagnosis and told to have fun. Yeah, so essentially. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, okay, so both of us have very different view, experiences of how we kind of got our diagnosis and then went to being normal again, or at least a new normal. So, uh, I should say, I hate that phrase, but um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's the most appropriate way to address it here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's other circumstances of the new normal, but... Uh, yeah, right, right. But I, I, at least in kind of like more personal new normal. Yeah, no, that's fair. So then, I guess kind of to start, when you got your diagnosis, how long did it take for you to kind of come to a new normal? So, for me, I know that it took me a... Well... Actually, I spent a lot of time after I was diagnosed trying to figure out, okay, what can I not do? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, how much exactly of normal life, quote unquote, is being withheld from me because of it? Um, So I kind of, and and it kind of like shed some light, obviously, on things that I couldn't really do. Like at the time, I couldn't... um, couldn't drive I had tried driving you know like when I took driving school that was back in 2013 and I didn't get my driver's license till late 2021 and then as a as an FU to me the gas prices skyrocketed (laughs) so I didn't I never got to experience that 149 a gallon or whatever that you guys got to experience welcome to driving driving. welcome to driving so uh there's this thing called gas prices yes right 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 (laughs) which yeah anyway I, um, so the funny thing is, um, you know, when I got my diagnosis report and everything, um, nothing really changed in that I felt like I had to embrace the fact that the way my mind works, you know, how I process things, that was something that I had to be more accepting of, you know, because before I got the diagnosis, I I already kind of felt like a social outcast in a way kind of an outsider and not because of any amount of like bullying or harassment or anything like that just kind of that feeling that there was something very different about me like um the best way i can like kind of describe it is that quirky awkward like main character from a slice of life anime you know where they're kind of um 
a lot of their dialogue is, you know, inward. Um, they're kind of socially isolated and they don't spend a lot of time around other people. You know, sure, I can get talking if we're uh, having, a, uh, having a conversation that interests me. But, you know, a lot of the times I kind of just felt alone even if I wasn't physically alone is the best way to put it. So it almost sounds like you kind of experienced this and then the diagnosis almost gave you, like, a word to something you didn't know how to put in words? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, it allowed me to kind of accept that part of myself and that... Um, you know, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to like fit like a, a puzzle, you know, with the rest of the fabric of society, and like, you know, and that's fine. Sure, I, sure, I explored that sort of social outcastness, you know, in maybe being a little more, maybe having my emo phase when I didn't have it in my teen years. I'll just, I'll go ahead and I'll have it now. Let's, <laughs> let's redo the teen years. Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, like, as far as different things, and this is the thing that I um, I emphasize a lot on this show, and that is the fact that you, just because you are diagnosed on the autism spectrum, it doesn't mean that you are now robbed of a life that you could have that a lot of other people have. You know, you too can get married, you can buy a house. I haven't done that yet, but I want to. Um, you know, you can drive, you know, and stuff like that. There are, however, like, you know, for people who are on a different place on the autism spectrum where maybe they're kind of on the lower end, you know, where they require a bit more help, um, those are the types of people that I want to reach out to a lot, you know, and that is the fact that, yeah, your life can't be exactly the same, but how can you, how can you take control of your life in a way that you can? And in, in a way, I'm still learning how they can do that in the first place. Um, as far as, like, kind of what the new normal was in, in the end, um, it required a lot of bus riding and paying a lot of, uh, paying a lot in cash. <laughs> um, because I didn't always understand um, financial literacy, you know, so um, I spent too much money when I went back to my parents after the first time I uh, moved out, and uh, I remember my parents seeing me down about three years after, or two and a half years more accurately, two and a half years after I moved back in with them, and basically they, they looked over my bank accounts and they said, son, you barely have $500 to your name. <laughs> you need to fix this, you know, because um, I got into that terrible habit where I was um, constantly, like, uh, drawing money from my savings account just to pay for stupid stuff, you know what I mean? Um, I, I think for some, I, I think for some spectrumites, you know, financial literacy um, doesn't come as naturally to them. Now, there are a lot of people that have, you know, like, problems when it comes to financial literacy, oh, yeah. but... You know, but I think spectrumites too can kind of like uh, forget. Just because you have the money to buy this thing doesn't mean it's good for you to buy it. Um, and, and that was something that I had to learn was financial literacy. That was kind of part of the new normal too. I couldn't just recklessly spend like the government. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, was there like something like what about your side of it? Um, at least, like, kind of coming to a new normal didn't really happen for me, just because I got my diagnosis when I was young, got helped with, got a lot of help with it, and, like, coming to at least what would have been relatively normal. 
Um, but there is ways, you know, I still dealt with it. However, like financial literacy wise, I kind of had the opposite experience. Uh, I always had a healthy savings account. Uh, and very young, like I detasseled corn when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So that kind of taught me at least, at least a lot about like earning an income for a little while for a summer job. Well, how did that start though? Like, did you have to get pushed into that or was that more of a choice? Okay. So here's the story of that. I met, I met my friend, I met a friend of mine. I, okay. So I made a new friend in seventh grade. Uh, Tyler is his name. Okay. And he basically was like, Hey, you should do this detasseling thing with me. It, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. And so I was like, sure, why not? Sounds fun. This new friend I made. Because I had known him. I, I made the friend in seventh grade mm-hmm. and then into the into the summer. So it wasn't like I literally met him two days later. He oh, was like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I had known yeah. him for a little while. And so I was like, sure, why not? Went into that. So I started hustling corn. And the first summer I did it, I was like, I was wanting to buy a PlayStation 3. So <laughs> I had a goal in mind. Man, that, that takes me back. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I got the PlayStation 3. And well... I ended up doing detasseling corn, earned earned money, but didn't get enough for the PlayStation 3. And and one of the few, very few good things that my dad did is he offered me basically a home job, is to do something with the porch. Basically, if I did that, he'd give me the the rest of the money for the PlayStation 3. So just, like, simple things like that Mm -hmm. early on in my life helped teach me basically, like, money and how to kind of utilize it. Mm -hmm. And I've never been, like, a big reckless spender. Spender. Spender, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, from my perspective, I've kind of been set up for success, mm-hmm. to be fair. Like, I haven't had to go through much worry money-wise, even my own personal income. But uh, that's kind of where I started is like, okay, money is a thing. Earning this income, having a goal with money to save it or not kind of thing. So, that's at least how money-wise things work for me. So... Yeah. I- yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Kay and I uh, have stressed this in a previous episode that, uh, you know, that having a budget is a really good way, especially for Spectrumize, to, you know, uh, learn how to, you know, manage their money. I mean, everyone can use that, but for Spectrumites especially, because oh, I, yeah. think, I think Spectrumites can, and, and I, I don't say this because I'm accusing them of this, but I'm speaking from personal experience, that if... If a limit, if a certain limit is not emphasized, if a limit is not clearly communicated to them, as far as they're concerned, they have no limits. You know, like there is no limit there. They can, they can spend as much money as long as it it exists, simply exists, or they can uh, watch as much or play as much or you know whatever the case may be. You know, sometimes like. Um, Sometimes the concept of having a of needing to reach a limit um, can be very hard for them to grasp. And again, I say this as someone with personal experience. You know, my parents have had to stress this to me numerous times. Whether it came to money, how much I, how much time I spent playing video games, you know, stuff like that. If they didn't put a cap on it somewhere, you know, they're like I wasn't going to um, make a limit myself. I guess for me, this is kind of, like, because I've never really had a problem with, like, spending too much money, uh, but, because, like, I, I've played a lot of video games in my life, and through a lot of them are a lot of different kinds, I should say, and some of them are, like, about, like, managing an economy for the country you're in charge of, for example, and oftentimes I'm one of those people who's, like, 
I'm maintaining at least a positive income at the end of each month or whatever take in game. Mm -hmm. So for me, I kind of end up applying that a lot to my personal life. Is like, well, at the end of the month, am I still like putting more money than I'm taking than I'm taking out? Mm -hmm. And if it's if I'm not doing that, is that for a specific reason? Because if not, yeah. then I need to change things. So like, even though I don't necessarily budget, I keep track of my like my monthly expenses, and I do keep track of like at the end of each month, I go over what I spent money on. Mm -hmm. So even though I don't budget, I do basically the next best thing, and somehow that works for me. <laughs> sure, if like. Like, this, this is going to make you mad because I know that the experience for you was the exact opposite, but our car insurance will actually be cheaper when we move. Not only did we find this out, we were literally emailed this by the insurance company that this is how much it's going to be, and it was cheaper than what we pay now. <laughs> I think Blade's car insurance fee doubled after he moved. So, so I moved from the same state to, from my car insurance nearly doubled. His is, being, his is getting cheaper, which makes me mad because <laughs> I've had enough experiences with Iowa drivers to know they are not reliable people. No, maybe, it's I'm the, maybe it's the insurance company, but yeah, I, that's know. my suspicion because I was kind of told that a little bit by the person I talked with with my car insurance. <laughs> that's about that, but yeah. No, you're good. What was the next bullet point that you came up with? <laughs> um, you kind of already touched on the other the other thing I wanted to touch on were, were some of the big changes you made coming to your new normal, but you are kind of touched that. So uh, yeah, I think it. You know, responsibility is obviously a is obviously a big thing. We have to be responsible for certain things that maybe other normal people wouldn't need to be responsible for. And I think um, that's kind yeah. of a just generally a lesson to kind of apply just to general with young adults. In general, whether it be a spectrum or not, yeah. maybe spectrumites do need to kind of put a little bit more attention to that. Well, again, like I mean, like I said, you you got to find the, you know, the bar somewhere, or the you know, the limits somewhere. Um, I, I think, it, and just needing that responsibility, understanding why is a job important, why is school important. You know, when I was a kid, I I, I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, but when I was a kid, I. I really never fully understood the, um, like, why school was so important when my mom was homeschooling me. Um, and that was something my mom was trying to drill into my head for years. Oh. And I just, you know, I just didn't get it because at the end of the day, the only thing I could think of was I didn't want to do it, and that's the only thing that matters. I don't want to, therefore, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't, you know. Um... So, you know, there is that. I, I think if I was to kind of make it even a recommendation, like, even just kind of, like, writing down the responsibilities in your life, whether they are financial, work-related, home-related, you know, stuff like that, write down, write down the things that you know you are responsible for. You know that, um, you know that they're important. And sometimes you don't even need to... You know, sometimes the only justification you can you can come up with in your head that will work for you is, it is important. Uh, well, actually, um, my parents learned, unfortunately, <laughs> that um, that having something taken away from me, um, it having that sort of consequence was important for me to learn why something was important in the first place. And it's like, okay, well, you can't play video games until you've, uh, you've done this. It's like having those consequences there, um, you know, was a great motivator. 
So I guess your motivator can be, well, if I don't pay the energy bill, my lights will go out. Or if I don't work a job at all, I'm homeless. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. You know, sometimes you, like, some people are just able to work or able to pay their bills without thinking about it too much. Um, but they just do it because that is, uh, that is the norm, those are the norms in society. Whereas uh, we as Spectrumites, we don't fit in very well with society. So oftentimes it's like we have to be schooled on um, why, the, why these things are so important. So for me, again, like, you know, when I was living in my first apartment, for example, uh, it was important for me to have the cash ready to, uh, to pay my landlord the rent. Yes, I paid him in cash. Um, I, I paid a lot of things in cash because um, by using cash first and debit card second, that helped me save a lot more money because I was using cash more than my debit card. I only went, I, went, I would go to the bank and I would only withdraw what I needed and nothing more. I did a lot of that as well, uh, just because I didn't want to get too frivolous to spending with debit cards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually a great way to kind of start, just because you can only basically spend what you have on hand, mm -hmm. whereas theoretically you can go out and spend everything on your debit card or everything in your savings account, God forbid. You so were right, right. I think or, especially yeah. at first, just having those limits in the back of your mind as you like kind of start with finances is actually a great way to go about it. Because even if you don't necessarily need them, you're at least setting some boundary that you won't cross yes, without, right. with, without giving yourself too much pain. Right. You won't make that stupid mistake because especially when you're first going out, like, you know, when you first got your first apartment, it's... Uh, you're having to realize, like, okay, I'm having to learn how this works. I mm -hmm. don't want to have a mistake that's so devastating that I can never financially recover. Yeah, I'll never financially recover from this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was, uh, what was something else? Because I think I've covered at least some of the aspects in terms of, like, kind of changes. Um, I mean, I guess in part two of this conversation, I can maybe go a little bit into the marriage aspects of it more. Yeah. Um, um, but what did you have? So the kind of the next kind of thought I had was outside of like research and thought, thinking about the podcast itself, how often do you think that you have autism in your like day-to-day -day life? Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny because I know a few people even from work who are on the spectrum as well. We kind of just joke about it most of the time, you know, like we kind of, we'll, we acknowledge it, we, we, uh, we joke about it, um, but I don't, I, I don't, it's kind of funny, you would think it'd be the opposite considering the fact that I have this podcast, but I don't talk about it very often outside of the podcast, I really don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't walk up to people and use autism as some sort of like you know, uh, token, you know, auto, like autism thing. Like that's the thing that you need to, um, uh, know me best, uh, best by, like, this is why you should like me. Y you know, I walk up and I say, hi, I'm, I'm autistic. I'm Forrest, you know, or, or however. Yeah. Um, I'm autistic. My name is Forrest. There you go. Yeah. Uh, where I put autism above everything else. In fact, I don't, I don't really want to live like that. So, Again, as someone who's representing autism in this podcast, I don't actually, quote unquote, represent autism a lot in my day-to-day -day life unless the, the topic happens to come up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same way. In fact, if anything, I'm even further, like, don't talk about it much because, like, 
I was diagnosed when I was young, and it's always kind of in the back of my mind ever since. But I don't really bring it up much, especially unprompted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like after we after we first met, I don't. I think it was years before I told you I had eye functioning. Yeah, that's right. Before yeah, I was, it was quite a while. Yeah, and that's just because I never felt like it was relevant to bring up. Because again, like as much as I hate having saying having saying this all the time, but it's like for the most part, a lot of the help I got as a kid helped me be at least for the most part normal, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just felt even less relevant in most circumstances. And I mentioned, uh, I, well, you mentioned in your notes too that. Um, you got diagnosed earlier, so it's like kind of the quote-unquote new normal was kind of uh, um, switched, yeah. you know, in, in my case and in your case. Mostly just because you were able to grow up through high school knowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't blame my parents for it, but it is painful to think about once in a while, you know. It, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you kind of look back and you're like, and you have to think, okay, so this explains all of this. Right. Yeah. So right. I've had a little bit of that. When I talked to with my mom for that first episode you had me on talking about my early diagnosis, it, like she told me things that I had that I didn't didn't remember or she she hadn't told me. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the story about like not liking like I couldn't like sit still for the longest time. They actually had put weighted jackets on me for a little while when I was mm-hmm. really young. Mm-hmm. And like even to this day, like I don't like to, like if my job like my job currently is I sit in a call center. I do, of, of the many things I don't like about the job, the sitting part I don't like. Yeah. Well, you don't like sitting for long, long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I mean, there's plenty of reasons why I don't like to sit for long periods of time, but one of the many reasons is goes all the way back to having is being diagnosed so early on and knowing that that's at least one of the many reasons why I'm like that. So are you saying your new normal is that you sit less? Like, what's the the message here? I I, I don't... (laughs) I don't have a message. (laughs) I'm not certain. Uh, Just kind of give an example of my life of how that works. Kind of, I guess, for me, a new normal is not understanding that even though I got help as a kid so I could be at least typical, Mm -hmm. uh, that in some ways autism still plays a part in how I am as a person but it's not the sole reason and in many cases not even the biggest reason well I mean let's kind of do a rundown here it's like uh, well you live quote unquote on your own Um, you uh, have a job well okay let me just phrase the live alone I I am independent okay yeah yeah, Yeah, I'm fully independent so let's kind of phrase it that way yeah yeah Yeah, you you made it to that point yeah yeah um and you made it to that point, and you're, I mean, as far as I know, as far as I can see, you're pretty efficient at it. Um, you know, it, it took me a lot longer to reach that point, uh, partially because I remember in the first the first time I moved out of my parents' house, I just, I remember feeling very vulnerable most of the time. I, I think, it, I guess if anything, what getting diagnosed did for me the change wasn't immediate. Like, I'll say that. the change. This change wasn't immediate. But I think about a year or so after I got diagnosed, I felt a lot more comfortable in my skin than I did before. I felt a lot less vulnerable. I felt like I could take on the world a bit more, especially when I got really serious about finding, a full, finding full-time work and getting out again. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially after my parents had to sit me down and tell me I got like $500 to my name. It's a great motivator. It's a great motivator and showing, uh, and showing me what the limits are. Yeah. Um, because up until that point, um, I kind of, when you're, when you live with your parents, you just kind of feel like there's that safety net. 
You don't, yep. you, don't, you don't feel like you have to be as responsible with your money because it's not like you're paying for the lights too. Um, yeah. it, so, and, and I wasn't paying uh, for car insurance or anything like that. It, the most I was uh, paying for was, um, was public transportation, you know, a lot of the time. Um, until, like, it wasn't until I got my driver's license, uh, that was the point when I became, I would say, 100% independent, you know, um, because there, there's a real freedom to it, like, using public transportation, uh, I don't understand how some people can do it, like, when I look back on it now, I'm like, I, I'm driving now, I would never go back, you know, I would never go back to that. Uh, I don't understand why some people do it. I understand uh, that certain people's situations kind of place them in a position where, you know, they don't really have a choice in the moment. Like, I'd love the option of actually being able to use public transportation of my own consent, not because I have no other option to, like, go places. But I don't really have that option. If I want to go down the street for groceries, I have to take my car. Because oh. <laughs> the, there's barely sidewalks. Oh, yeah. Uh... I used to do a lot of grocery shopping and do it all, and, and like get on the bus afterwards and I'm dragging all the bags up there and stuff like that. There was one time when uh, um, it was actually one of the first times I did grocery shopping by myself um, oh. and like it was pouring rain outside when I walked out to um, wait for the bus and there was like stuff like the bags that I had, you know, because this was at Aldi, they don't provide plastic bags for you. You bring your own bags and everything. I brought a bunch of plastic bags, and so, like, so, like, the bags just, like, split open at the bottom, dumped everything out on the, um, uh, dumped everything out on the side of the road. Um, it was soaking everything. By the time I got on the bus, I had to actually leave some stuff behind. Otherwise, I was going to get left behind. Oh, no. So, uh, it was the worst, still to this day, the worst grocery shopping experience I've ever had. That was about nine years ago, though, so. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, talk about feeling vulnerable and, you know, not quite 100% independent, you know, but that, that was something I, uh, that was something I went through. And shortly before I got diagnosed, too, it was, like, less than a year beforehand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you uh, want to continue this conversation in part two, then? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to split this up into, into two parts, because we kind of have a longer conversation uh, to go. So, um, so I'm going to roll the outro now. Hey, guys. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, write a review to help the show grow, and subscribe to my Substack at thepancakeking.substack.com to receive updates on new podcast episodes, a new blog post every Saturday, and other content I may put out. You can also check out the entertainment me, KG, and my friends make together on our YouTube channel, Vanzot Productions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.